Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion chat, and we are happy to have you here. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. This is a this is an opportunity for Nancy Saxton Lopez, my co-author and dear friend, to take the the content that we shared in our book, The Pet Loss Companion: Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups, share it with a bit of a broader audience, and give some stories that that bring it to life. We welcome your comments both during this during this chat and afterwards, and we welcome your questions and and sharing your stories and suggestions for future future times that we're together. Nancy, I'll I'll hand it to you. Yes, welcome. We have a very interesting topic tonight. Um, in the group uh, that Ken and I ran for many years, a lot of people came in and they would be questioning that after their pet had died, they may have seen him or her out of the corner of their eye, or they may have heard, you know, some scratching or maybe some thumping or a collar, you know, that was tingling a little bit. Um, or they may have, have had a dream, you know, and their animal came to them. Um, so there was always that question of, am I crazy or is this something that happens? And so tonight, Ken and I are going to tell some stories that are personal to us and or stories that we, we got from the members, which I think for a lot of people, you know, they were very happy to have gotten some kind of visit, some kind of sign that their animal was around and was with them, you know? Yeah, very common experience. It's a mm -hmm. very common experience. And as you said, it's often out of the corner of your eye, you see movement. Sometimes people will smell their mm -hmm. animal's presence. Sometimes they'll feel them touching them. And a couple of stories that, that I've experienced personally, one was that we had a cat whose name was Reggie and Reggie was just a wonderful, wonderful friend for many years. He lived to a point where my son was just about a year and a half old. So my son was about a year and a half old and Reggie died and we buried him in the, in the yard. And then quite a while later, Eric, that's my son, was outside playing. He might've been about three or four. And he said, there's Reggie. And he was pointing to him and he said, why? And he said, there's Reggie. And he was pointing to where we had buried him. And he did not know, actually, he was not part of the, the burial because he was you know, very little at the time and we didn't, we didn't have him present when we did that. But he was pointing to where, where Reggie was buried. He was buried in front of a, a stand of pine trees. And he said, yeah, he said he saw him walking. So it was just really quite a thing to experience. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, uh, wasn't all that extraordinary to him, I guess. He just kind of said, there he is. And <laughs> But I think kids are much more open to that, too. I mean, I think you and I, I have heard so. about that with human people, like grandparents. And yeah. all of a sudden, a grandparent has died, and all of a sudden, the child will say to their mother, oh, grandpa's here. And so... Yeah. I mean, I think they're for some reason they're much more open to having that experience. 
Well, then... yeah, I mean, there's, there's also this idea that that little kids take in everything that they actually perceive, but they only increasingly pay attention to things that are validated by the adults around them. And so you think about kids who talk about an imaginary friend of one sort or another, and their parents might say something like, well, you know, they're not, they're not real. So if we're told over and over again that some kind of perception we're having isn't valid, we tend to just sort of close off to it. I, I wonder if that doesn't have, it's kind of like the phenomenon of people who are in a very abusive relationship. They will often, they will, they will hear so much terrible stuff and they'll hear so much distorted perceptions about the world and about themselves that it's hard for a human being not to begin to believe what is told to them over and over and over and over again. And, and I feel like that has something to do with the fact that the perceptual range for children seems to narrow as they grow yes, into, as they grow past their very early years. So it's interesting that we could go on. I mean, there are other child stories. Um, sure. But to go back, you know, I'll talk about a person that came to our group, uh, the Ken you also know. Um, uh, he had two cats, and um, one of his cats had died, and that's why he was coming to the group. Um, and he came for quite a while. You know, it was very uh, devastating for him. Um, and, you know, after after a few weeks, I guess, after his cat died, his first cat, um, he noticed that he would come up to bed and um, all of a sudden the lights, the, the little runner lights in his hallway came on. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's weird, but my other cat must be downstairs that is coming up now. But he turned and there was his cat laying next to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he was almost hesitant to tell us this, you know, in the group. He was he was quite like, are they going to think I'm, I'm absolutely nuts? Um, but those lights came on every night for a few weeks and then ended. And so there was something else, I think, to Ken with a fan that would come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, there were different I, things with electricity that. Right. That, that happened. That um, <clears throat> he firmly believed that it was this first cat who had died. And it gave him great, great comfort to know that sure. he, he hadn't left yet, but in a few weeks he, he left. But, um, but the, that's just one of an, an example of a lot of the, the you know, things that were going on for our clients that were in the group or people that were in the group, these kind of things that, would be hard to explain. Yeah. The, and, the, well, I was going to say the most compelling story I remember, and I shared this with you, I, I think just before this meeting, was when a person came and they talked about the time that their two teenage kids were sitting at the kitchen table. They were doing their homework, which they always would do at the kitchen table. And they heard scratching at the back door. 
which was very common because they'd had a boxer who would be out in the backyard, which was entirely fenced, and he would want to come in when the kids were there and he would start scratching. And the kids suddenly they kind of woke up to the reality that he had died a few weeks before. He wasn't, he wasn't there anymore, and they'd just heard him scratching. So they went to the back kitchen door, they opened it, and on the stoop was a very was a toy that this dog had loved, but had been lost quite a while ago. It just disappeared. And there was this toy. It was covered with mud as though it had been pulled out of wherever behind a bush and just put there on the stoop. And they were, they were absolutely sure. And, and who could possibly refute that it was brought there as a way of saying, I'm okay. He's fine. And, but how, there was no good explanation for that. That's fine. That that made sense in the reality that we're typically connected to. That's right. And I think that's why a lot of people and they wanted to right they wanted to have those. Oh, signs. it's just it was, such a, it was such a good feeling. It was basically like a sign that he's okay, and he just wants you to know that. I mean, that's that's generally the way people interpret those kinds of experiences and and they're they're very common i mean these kinds of experiences are very common i mean i i i've told you as well that i've experienced my father and my grandfather both of whom are long deceased in my presence i was once driving and i felt the presence of my grandfather and the way i knew i i saw but i didn't really i couldn't see in the usual sense but i saw a figure there sitting with a hat, the kind of hat that he would always wear. And, and I just started talking to him. <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was nice. It was comforting. He, he didn't really say anything, but it felt like a warm sort of connection. And so, you know, we have lots of experiences. I think that are sort of outside what we consider to be the normal of course. Normal limits. <laughs> and, and, and really, people are not crazy. I mean, these things, these things happen, right? Very common. It's and very and they, common. they wish it to happen. And, and yep. now sometimes people do not have those experiences. They may not mm -hmm. smell something or see something out of their eye or hear something or even dream. Um, but I do think they yearn for that. You know, so when that happens and they do come in and talk about it, you know, I have a client who would talk about the ladybugs, you know, every time that she saw a ladybug and she saw quite a few of them. And this was after the death of her dog that she really believed that that was a sign for her dog to say, hey, I'm here and I'm looking out after you. You know, and you can a lot of people talk about cardinals, especially or, or, or different types of birds. Um, or butterflies, um, and some hear you know hear different things you know, and that brings them closer to that to the animal or the or in this some cases the person who is who is loved. Um, so the sometimes there are numbers you know that there's a set of numbers that might be a birth date and all of a sudden after a death, they see those numbers. I actually have a client that that happened when her husband was killed 
And it was his a, a special number to them. And all of a sudden, she see a license plate for that number. And then she'd go into a store, and the register had that number. And it was, it was just really interesting. Um, I also have my own personal experience. Um, and I never thought I, I'd never had one until this, even though I've had animals for my entire life. Um, Hank was my heart dog. I mean, he was one of my heart dogs. I had Tashi way back in the 80s. Um, but Hank recently, he died about a year, a little over a year ago. Um, and he was, a, he was a dog I really had to take a lot of care of. He had, you know, chronic diseases. He had diabetes. He had epilepsy. He had anemia. He had multiple, um, you know, hospitalizations, you know. So he and I were, were really connected. And so when he, and I knew, you know, we had to euthanize him because he, he had, he all of a sudden couldn't walk. And, and when he couldn't walk, you know, we had IVDD and then couldn't urinate. And that of course would be so, so devastating. He, he would be in too much pain. Oh. So, um, but about a year later, um, it, it was really interesting because I, I woke up, I started to wake up. I was, you know, in the morning, early morning, and I felt something on me, and I looked up, and there was Hank walking up the side of my body, and he looked young, and he looked healthy, and he was coming up to my to my face, and when I looked up, then he was gone, and I was like, you know, I was so, I was so happy that he looked so good and that he came to see me. Yeah. You know, well, you, and well, I never had that, that experience before. You can see and you can see the joy still in your face when you tell the yeah. story, what that, yeah. what that meant, how, how it struck you. And it's just really beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful that these, these things happen. And I mean, one of the things that, that I always think when we look at many aspects of grief is that nobody else should be in a position of judging your experience. Exactly. It, it wouldn't make sense for another person to tell you, like is so often told to, to children, or, you know, as I said, somebody who's in like a hostage situation, their reality gets distorted by the captor. And that can be really detrimental to the way that we experience our own perceptions. We don't ever want to do that to anybody under any circumstance, and certainly not when they're grieving. You want, to, you want to allow for a person to talk about whatever their experience is. And as you said, you're not losing your mind. You're, you're going yeah. through whatever your perceptions are, whatever your experiences are, and, and whatever kind of meaning they bring to you is, is important. Yeah. yeah, it's valid, it's important, and it's something that, that nobody should seek to undermine or or reinterpret or interpret away or do anything to accept honor. Exactly. Unfortunately, though, a lot in, in the world, as we went back to some of the other, um, you know, episodes we've had, it says some people don't really understand. And so mm -hmm. you have to be careful with who you share this with. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they would have a judgment about it, unfortunately, because they don't understand. They don't understand the relationship. They don't get it. They're, they may not be animal lovers. They don't have that that perception or that experience, and so they would say, "What's you know, what's the matter with you? You're kind of nuts, you know." Right. So you're losing your mind. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, you better get some medication or, you know, do something. So, but it is valid and people come in and they want to have dreams. They're looking for the dreams. You know, now sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But for those who come in and say, wow, I had a dream about her last night. Wow, yeah. I was really yeah. happy about that. Yep. You know, um, and most of the time the dreams are good. You know, they're not that end, of, unfortunately, of life stuff that really happens. I mean, they're they're young and they're healthy and they're running around and happy. Um, yep. And that would be our, our wish for them in another life, you know, yep. as, they, as they leave. You know. Yeah. Yep. So you were gonna talk some about where the Pope is. Yes. Okay. Today. This, um, many years, right, Ken, when I would do the group, um, there were people that were religious. They were Catholics usually, and they were very upset because at the time, for many years, um, the the Catholic Church did not recognize um, animals as going to heaven okay and so they were really perturbed with that you know upset with that because how could these pure beings these wonderful sweet beings not go to not go to heaven you know so when pope francis came along and said declared that that wasn't the case i mean that was that was just fabulous for a lot of these people but i do have a story too about this that has some relevance to this that's a couple that I've, I've worked with for many years. Um, and some time ago, their son um, died. Um, he was in college. Um, they didn't know why he died. He died very, very close to a holiday. And it obviously devastated them. I mean, this was their only child. And so um, they came to me for bereavement work. Um, and, you know, I was we were talking about things and their question was, I want to know if he was in pain when he died. I need to know that. I need to know. Now at the time, Ken and I worked together at the time, there was a third generation English psychic channeler that was not far from us. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Ken, you went to see her, I believe. Yeah, yeah she was and, and so I said, listen, I haven't seen this person, but I know a lot of people who have, and maybe it would be helpful for you to go and see her. So they went, um, and these are cynical people. I mean, they were educated, cynical people. They, were, they didn't give a lot of information. Um, and when they came back, I mean, it was an awe for like 45 minutes. I, I couldn't believe what was going on. But they... Um, this person told talked to their son. Um, they she knew everything from what the son said about his room, where things were, the color, where the baseball cards were. I mean, it was just uncanny the amount of information she had. Yeah. Um, he had told um, the, the, his parents through this this channeler that he had no pain. Um, and he was an angel and he was going to help him bring the little ones up. Um, so they felt much better, but she also said that she was talking about, he was talking about the people that had in heaven with him, um, that had died. 
and it was a couple uncles, it was somebody else, and the cat. So the cat was there also. And I we I would we would tell the story, you know, to people in the group because they're like, oh, that's good, right? Because that mm -hmm. solidifies that they go to heaven. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you said, I I went to see this this spiritualist as well, and she was quite amazing. She talked with my father, and I talked to my father through her. Some of the most remarkable things she did was she really seriously predicted many events in the course of my life going forward. So for example, I hadn't written anything at all at that time. And she said, I, I see a number of books. Do you write? Do you write? And I hadn't written anything by then. And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, well, that's going to happen. And she predicted the relationship that I'm in now with my husband. It was, it was really quite, quite remarkable. She also, as, as I mentioned, she's, she, my dad was very focused on on financial security, on saving and, and investing. And it was very funny because that was my dad. He was like, you got to be really careful. And he was a teacher who saved a lot of his money. And, and uh, so it's very interesting the way that there, there are ways that people connect beyond this current <laughs> life. And I, and I have to tell you about something funny about the that idea of a soul when the book was book was being reviewed. So I have a friend who's a, uh, I, I had it reviewed by a friend who's a journalist before it went to the editor. And he said to me, one of his comments was, you know, you talk about the soul of animals, you call them souls. And there are people who are going to read this book and are probably not going to appreciate that. <laughs> I don't remember you telling me that. I don't think I'm, I don't think I mentioned this to you. And I said, I said, well, to me, of course they're souls. They yes, souls. of course. Like, I mean, and, and also they were, they, he had some questions about the way I used, when I would always use who instead of it, or I can't remember exactly, but I would always use the same pronouns that I use for people. Of course, because they're what? And, they're and I was like, some of my best, some of my favorite people are not people. <laughs> Right. And, and, but that was it was very interesting to me and he wasn't he wasn't saying it in a pejorative way he was just saying you should note this like you should be a very he's a wonderful guy and really dear dear friend but it was just really noteworthy to me and and i have to say i mean my experience with all kinds of animals with with a horse who we who we had and god we were guardians of for a while and cats and dogs and birds and and chickens, I mean, all of them, all of these are so much, they're so much more similar to us than they are different. To me, oh, they're just so much more similar than they are. They're, they're interested, they're concerned. I'll never forget when we had a, a, we were with a horse for a number of years, we had adopted him out of a program to which he eventually went back and became a, a, a police horse. And he had a, quite a career. He, he we he had some he would have this fungus on his ankles now and then and we would be we'd have to put iodine on it and wrap it up and I'll never forget just the added the way he would look at us like I know you know you're taking care of me you love me it was like the kind of concern that I would have if somebody was doing some kind of right exactly on my own 
wound. It, it was, it, they were, I think it's really interesting, this idea that some people don't feel that way, you know, yeah, but, but of course they have souls. If we have, they have everything we have. That's the way I think about it. No, and I, I think you're, I absolutely agree. Now, the other thing I want to say when we were talking about, you know, the, the channel or the, the, the psychic mm -hmm. is for you, for people out there that want to go to one. Now, there are animal communicators, too, and yeah. animal psychics. Yeah. But I also want to, to say that be careful in who you choose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, unfortunately, there are some that are okay. And there are some, I mean, I think the person that you went to that I've, we've talked about was exceptional, but yes. a lot of them aren't. And so, you know, just be careful with who you choose and who you Yeah, and, and, we'll, and we'll say also that we presume that she is no longer alive. Oh. She's no longer with us because she was very elderly at the time. And this was like 20 years ago. Right. We were, we were both engaged with her. Yeah. A brilliant, brilliant woman. And just so loving and helpful. But there are some out there. But I think you, yeah. you for the for those of you who want to go and really talk to your animal, which you can, um, with different people, you want to do your vetting, you know, and make sure that they they are who they say they are and they can help you. I think it is helpful if you if you get the right person. Yeah, I, I, I think it's helpful. I also think that that it depends on your temperament whether or not this is going to be something that you that you want to do. It's it's you know we're so we're such individuals that for some people they're it's just not going to be something that they're inclined to do, and for other people it'll be something that is really really important to them. And I, I think mm -hmm. it always comes back to this point about the way that we grieve is. Our individual. It's very individualized, and what's what's right and fitting for one person might be totally off limits to another person's sensibilities. And so, whatever is is good for you, and you know, the the, the way that I look at this also is that you, the 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 journey of healing is one of self care. That you yes. do what helps you. And, the, and your loved ones to care for yourselves during the time that, that you're working through the reactions and feelings of, of the early loss. And that's what, maybe another topic we can do is rituals and memorials, because that comes into how people can yep. do something, because you need to do something sometimes when your animal dies. And, and that can be helpful, but it's also very individual. So maybe yeah. we can talk about that in another episode. Yeah. Um, so, closing thoughts from you. Um, I, I look. I think people would like to. Most people would like to have some kind of acknowledgement that their animal is around and is looking out after them, or wants to be with them, or is checking up on them. And if it happens in many different ways, it could be smell, sight, you know, feelings, whatever, dreams, um, is is fine. Um, if it doesn't happen, though, there's nothing wrong. There isn't anything that's a yeah. problem with that. Yep, yep. And and one one thought that comes to mind is there's I think I'm going to mention this. There's a great documentary series that is available right now. I believe it's on Netflix. It's called Surviving Death. Oh, somebody else and told me about really that. Really, very interesting. 
and compelling. I think there's four or five episodes. And if you are all interested in the subject, it's not, it's not specifically about animals, but it's, it's a window into the study of the phenomenon of the afterlife. And it's very, very interesting. And, yeah. And, and then the, the closing thoughts that I have is that love never dies. Right. That that's just something to hold on to, that you, you will continue to experience your love for those who have left us in your own individualized ways. It may include visits. It may not, but it may not, but you hold them in your heart and that doesn't ever have to go away. You never have to lose oh, that. They nestle right in there. Yeah. So another great time talking with you, Nancy. I look forward to our next conversation and and I hope that this is of some comfort to people who listen and who watch the video. Take care. Take care.